I'm totally winging it. I'm trying to get good at certain things so that I can provide value. But I'm just having a go. I'm still having a go. I'm 46 and I'm just, um, I'm trying my best. This is City AM Unregulated. I'm Emma Hazlitt. On this week's show, the man who created a bestseller out of 200 blank pages. I think I'm failing upwards. I like to use that phrase. Yes, it's the inimitable Shed Samove. Anything that goes into your five senses can be twisted to become a new idea. I, I don't believe in putting creativity on a pedestal. I just think it's simply thinking up an idea. This is Unregulated, City AM's professional development podcast, and I am Emma Hazlitt. On this show, we hear entrepreneurial stories, how to be better at your job, and how to take the next steps in your career. It's a bit of a not-safe-for-work show this week, folks. This week, we are talking to Shed Zamove, the man behind such salubrious products as the Rampant Rabbi, I will not go into what that is, and the Not-So-Smartwatch, a tiny whiteboard for your wrist. I have lots of ideas. I've got 600 ideas in my portfolio, ranging from appalling to brilliant. As befits his rather adult products, there is swearing aplenty today, so don't say I didn't warn you. As always, thanks to the teams at Huckletree and White City Place. Welcome to the show, Shed. <laughs> thanks, Emma. Uh, just so people kind of know who you are and they're clear what we're dealing with Don't here. Don't know who I am. Uh, well, I know. <laughs> right. Can we just talk through some of your innovations? Okay, sure. Um... I mean, I'll start with the best one, Flying Fuck. <laughs> oh my goodness, straight in. I didn't know it was a, a post-watershed it's a, podcast. It's a not ever. work podcast. Oh NSFW, yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Um, okay, so ideas can come from anywhere, as you know. And the person listening to this is has got many ideas in their head. And I worry that ideas can be devalued because... Naturally, we think of thoughts all the time, don't we? And those thoughts can be turned into concepts. Those concepts can be turned into either fulfilling adventures or businesses. So I was, I was, just, I was doing a speech, which, I, which is one of my strings to my bow, as it were. And um, after the speech, um, some people came around to me and said, oh, Shed, we enjoyed your speech. It was nice. And then they said... Um, we work, one person said, I work for a, a novelty gift or a gift website called Firebox. You might know it. And they said... Who was that? Was that Tom? Or yes, was that Michael? Tom, Tom Boardman. Tom, Tom. And Tom, Tom Boardman, very good, um, was one of the CEOs. And he said to me, do you know, Shed, what is the biggest selling product year on year on our gift website? And I said, no, I'd be fascinated. And he said, it's a remote control helicopter. And the reason is, is because um, men buy them. And also younger men, which we call boys, um, also <laughs> buy them. And so uh, childish men of all ages buy remote control helicopters. And Tom said to me, Shed, why don't you do a remote control helicopter? And I'd done different products, but never a remote control up until then. So then we brainstormed. We thought maybe we could do a flying pig, um, <laughs> which is a gag. 
but no, didn't. Th- I thought that wasn't good enough. Then someone <laughs> said, and why don't you do a flying appendage, as in uh, Willy? And, and I said, no, no, that's even more crass. Um, and then I thought... You of, wouldn't want to be crass. No, never, never, never. Right. Good, uh, no, no, always a highbrow. And um, so, then some, so then I thought, how about a flying F? Uh, can we say? Yeah. Uh, say so, so then, so now, for the first time in history, you can actually give a flying fuck, and <laughs> and so I had it made in China. It was really actually difficult to get the font right, to get the the, the shading of the letters right. I mean, I pour so much effort into something frivolous, <laughs> but but the flying fuck is a is a good novelty. I think. What mm-hmm. do you think? I think it's a great one, and um and you followed it with some. Sterling efforts. Um, <laughs> efforts. That's patronising. Well, uh, so the, the best-selling uh, book, "What Every Man Thinks About Apart from Sex." Yes. Talk us through that. Okay, that is a culmination of failures, and my life really. You know, my life is a culmination of failures. I think I'm failing upwards. I like to use that phrase, and I heard it first when I was working in television. Men, men a lot, specifically men, actually, because. Men are a different type of uh, gender in terms of they bluff more and and they and they're not so self-aware of they have um, reality distortion fields much more than women. I think women are much more empathic and know what's going on. And a lot of men <laughs> fail upwards. And 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 I and I was always fascinated with this that if you just keep going at something, you can succeed at it. And you just sort of turn up for work and just with a bit of enthusiasm and carry on. Even though you're not talented, you can fail upwards. So I thought about this and then I I referred it to the idea of making a bestseller. So I wrote my first book, Ideas Man, took me five years, got amazing publisher, Random House, got five stars on Amazon, got an incredible advance, didn't sell didn't sell and the benchmark for a, a bestseller is 10,000 sales and I really wanted to tick that off my bucket list as a as a goal to have a bestseller didn't sell and it's a good book ideas man my second book was called success or your money back and um I also poured three years of my life into that and it's it's good to success for your money back it's 30 secrets of success I think it's energizing then that also got five stars on Amazon, didn't sell. So you have to change your strategy. So I thought, how can I get a bestseller? Meanwhile, my novelty gift career, in inverted commas, career, <laughs> is burgeoning and is selling 1.5 million novelties around the world. So I thought, how can I take the success of the novelty and add it to the book world? So I made a book called What Every Man Thinks About Apart From Sex. It has 200 blank pages inside. It sold 90,000 copies and been translated into <laughs> eight languages. That is amazing. Yeah, it's depressing because my real books don't sell and I, they're my soul. And my stupid gag book, which references uh, failing an agenda, resonates across the world. So, you know, what do you call yourself when, when you meet people? You're like, hi, I'm Shed, <laughs> a I'm a, a charlatan. I do, I do, a charlatan. I'm winging it. I'm totally winging it. I, I'm trying to get good at certain things so that I can provide value. But I'm just having a go. I'm still having a go. I'm 46 and I, I, I'm just, um, I'm trying my best. I, 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 I think I have a good attention to detail, maybe too much sometimes, which makes me really high maintenance. Um, I think I try to do things that are fun and funny and maybe entertaining. I, I think that's my, perhaps one of my roles in life. Um, I try to do things that are original, but I'm a creative, to answer your question. Okay. But but then I think it's very dangerous saying that to label yourself as either creative or non-creative because I think we're all creative and I think we just need slight techniques and slight encouragement to, to bring our ideas to life. 
So, I mean, talk, talk about that. Talk about how you come up with ideas. Like, you know, how, how do you approach it? Um, I don't approach it as a system, although you can. And this is something I speak to companies about mm -hmm. in my motivational speeches. Um, I think there are triggers and techniques you can okay. use to unlock your brain. But actually, this is something fundamental that should be taught in schools. Um, it's not a ethereal, magical process. It, it's something that we all do. You decide what you want for lunch is pretty much similar to you deciding what you would like to see in two weeks' time and then making it come to life. I just, I, it's not so different. But, I mean, explain how that process works, though. Sure. Like, you wake up in the morning and you're like, light bulb. No, 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 not necessarily. <laughs> the light bulb can happen <laughs> any time. Yeah, funny. In fact, this, I brought my sound machine, which is one of my products, and it's got a light bulb on it. That's the ding <laughs> sign. There you go. Oh, do, do more, it, it looks more, like more. it looks like we're prepared. I'll do this childish one. But um, it, this 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 is this sound machine came. I'll t I'll tell you how this came about. So, I was watching Friends, the sitcom, and Joey came on, and every everyone in the studio audience, or the laughter track that they put on, clapped and hollered. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to live your own sitcom? So that's an example of how. Any stimulus can turn into a product idea or a service idea. So I thought, live your own sitcom. That turns into a sound machine, which is in front of me, which is a little box with 16 different buttons with 16 different sound effects. So now, if I press this one... Um, I pressed the wrong one, sorry. <laughs> Funny. Um, that, that one is the laughter track, so therefore I can live my own sitcom and feel like... And you can have this in the office and feel like I'm funny. So We need it, this for the podcast. This is 100% <laughs> of the time. Um, and so, really, I believe that anything that goes into your five senses can be twisted to become a new idea. And one of the easiest ways to come up with a new, new idea is to look at what you're dissatisfied with or even just not particularly be dissatisfied but look at something that's bog standard and then think how can I make that better funnier easier faster more exciting and then as soon as you do that you could give your audience and your customers a competitive edge and therefore they'll pay for that competitive edge so taking an idea and building on it make it better Taking an idea and building on it, um, realising that um, no idea is totally new and that there are 8 billion souls thinking up ideas. And so probably someone's thought of something similar, but perhaps they haven't brought it to life exactly like you will. And this is really important because you're you, you will have certain prejudices, peccadilloes, um, attention to detail, sense of humour that only you have. So even if we all say came up with the same idea of a spatula called Count Spatula, which is one of my products, um, <laughs> which is a spatula in the shape of Dracula. When you press the button on the handle, it laughs like Dracula. Um, what even, every chef needs. It totally, totally. Everyone Michelin star chef needs a Count Spatula. Um, even if we all now, and the listeners listening, we all try to bring that to life. We'd all bring it to life slightly different. Some would have a different Dracula. Some might not have the audio. Some might make it sexier. Some might make it contemporary. Some might make it funnier. Some might make it tackier. Some might make it cheap. So that's what keeps me going because it means that only you will bring something to life like you will. And so therefore, your Count Spatula, sorry to hammer the analogy, but your Count Spatula might be much better than my Count Spatula. My one would look like Gavin Patterson from E.T. <laughs> Well, you are an odd, odd fish. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but Viva Lycard. Yeah, we're referring to a joke that we made off mic. So. <laughs> um, how many ideas do you come up with every day? Um, I wouldn't quantify them. I, I, I think what's important, and you, you, this triggers uh, something that I believe in, which is write your ideas down, value your ideas. I don't believe in school we're taught to value our, our ideas, and because we all have them, we therefore think that they're they don't have value and we think that they're um they're they're too common but actually you should write them down and then i train myself to either tap them to my phone or write them on a piece of paper and mm-hmm. then a week later if i'm as excited as i was when i thought of that idea nothing will stop me from starting it and finishing it that's really important you have yeah. to focus on what fires you and it doesn't have to be certainly not for me anyway monetarily based it's just simply, I can't wait to show you, Emma, my Make America Great Again, um, Donald Trump Greater, which is spelled G-R-A-T-E, which is a rubbish <laughs> pun, which I like puns. So it, it's, it's really great, though. Thanks. So that's for you. Um, you can scratch it and see if it scratches on, ca- on microphone. There you go. That's good, isn't it? Oh, Ruin my nails. Sensory. <laughs> oh, sorry. They are very nice. Um, sensory uh, experience for the listener. But... Um, yeah, I, I just think that ideas should be written down. And I, I have lots of ideas. I've got 600 ideas in my portfolio, ranging from appalling to brilliant. But what's <laughs> what's interesting about that even is that it's subjective what is appalling and what's brilliant. And I like to think that I've got good judgment, but I haven't because a lot of my stuff fails and a lot of, a lot of my stuff which I didn't expect to succeed goes massive. And when I take my 600 ideas in my portfolio to clever people what's interesting is one day someone will say number 56 is genius shed really love it and the next day someone will say number 56 is rubbish (laughs) and you think how can there be such a mismatch and this is wonderful about humans because that means as long as you keep going you'll always find a market someone somewhere someone somewhere there's eight billion people and as long as you can carve out enough of a niche you've got a revenue stream so you come up with an idea, you wait a week, you're really excited about it. What is your next thing that you do? Great question. Well, in the olden days, I thought olden days, probably five years ago, I used <laughs> to trademark it by the domain, all of that. But now I'm careful because I have got a million trademarks and a million domains and it's just a waste of money. But um, if you search on the IPO website and put Sheridan Simove, you'll see all my silly trademarks. <laughs> Um, But now what I do is I believe that ideas need armour. And I think as humans, we're very visual. So to give an idea armour, because it's fragile in your head. And if you if if you tell someone an idea that's just in your head, they can crease their brow or they can perhaps say outright, Emma, that's rubbish or shed, that's appalling, which I get a lot. (laughs) And then it snuffs it away. And it's bad for you because we we take that personally because we're social animals. Mm -hmm. So to give it armour, jump on the web. Go to a cheap website like Fiverr.com. I'm not endorsed by them, but I, they should give me what a kickback. Fiverr.com is uh, everything. Well, it, it used to be everything for five dollars, five okay. US dollars. So that's about three and a half quid at this point in time. Yeah, which is nothing, isn't it? And there are people on there who will design you something for for three and a half quid, which is sort of obscene. But <laughs> you carry on. Um, <laughs> and what I mean by armor is. When something's brought to life visually, either a product idea or even a service idea, Mm -hmm. 
it allows you and other people who are clever around you to feed into that rather than just knock it down straight away. It gives it a permanence. It gives it some sort of structure already just by bringing it to life in 2D. So for three and a half quid, either your product idea or even a service idea can be made to look wonderful by a graphic designer. Yeah. So cheap. Then and that that then is goes into your portfolio and is perhaps goes on your desktop and you see it every day and because you see it or you stick it up on the wall because you look at it you'll have more ideas about it and it'll grow in your brain. So I believe in giving ideas permanence and one of the ways of doing that is making a visual. The next way is then make a prototype or run a, f- a small scale test if it's a service. Okay. So. Um, if it's a prototype, you can make that either yourself or get a prototype maker if you can afford it. There's millions on the web. Or if it's a service and you're in a company, you run a small scale test and then no one can tell you, Emma, it won't work because you can prove. Look at these. Look at this results. Yeah. I've run it on a small scale. I didn't bring the company down. And if it fails, <laughs> it's fine because it, you didn't bring the company down. Yeah. But if it succeeds, you say, now we can, can we scale it up? And you say, actually, I found when I ran it, these things need improving. So... Always test, always bring it to life, but please bring it to life in some way. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, one of the things that you do really well is you get the media attention. <laughs> Not always, but thank you, but thank you. And Not I, always. I, I read a piece by you in which you were talking about, or I think it was an interview with you, which you were talking about one of your what was other Not Very Safe for Work products, the Rampant Rabbi. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you... You said that you originally tried emailing a kind of national newspaper and they were like, don't care. So you sent it to the Jewish Chronicle. Correct, correct. And then suddenly the national newspaper was like, actually, we're interested. Um, Okay, you pick up on something really important. Uh, This is a tip. You can use the local press to get national press. The national press has thousands upon thousands of inquiries every day, people hammering, trying to get publicity for their amazing product or service or their brilliant story they think is brilliant which sometimes mine aren't and it's nice of you to say I I get press but actually many times the journalists turn me down many many times and and just say go away shed and (laughs) it's hard it's hard getting press really hard it's hard getting noticed now in the wonderful world of the web today you can carve your own niche by building up a following in instagram facebook and twitter and i'm not i i'm rubbish at that because that's not an area i excel in i excel in creativity and bringing things to life Mm -hmm. but actually what is wonderful is today you can create an audience for yourself that then you can just fire off and say look what i've done and that audience wants wants to know what you've done and cares but if you haven't got that you have to go to mainstream press so one of the ways is if you go if you fail at mainstream press which i do often by going to a local paper or a, or a niche market like the Jewish Chronicle or perhaps Dry Cleaning News, which I've done in the past. Nice. I'm nice, really good. I'm exciting. Um, and um, if you go to these local newspapers, some of the nationals read the locals. And also there's a strange thing about news being legitimised. As soon as it's been put in something, even if it's uh, perhaps inverted commas a lesser publication rather than national, it's local. The nationals will 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 feel that it's it's validated, and therefore they'll take that and feel like they've found a story and they've discovered a story rather than had it foisted upon them. There's this weird thing psychologically with humans is that they like to discover and they like to choose. Especially men, men are terrible like that because they <laughs> they they want to feel like they've made the decision rather than being told to make 
make the decision. So in a way, by putting it in the local, you you let it be a gem that's undiscovered and someone on the news desk says, I found this in the Bristol Post and let's let's put it in our big paper. So that is one way. And, and also, there's something more impressive about when you take a clipping from any newspaper and then send it to a national. It, it just looks better it, yeah. rather than a press release. It looks like someone who's in their profession has made a decision that is newsworthy. So therefore, it should be newsworthy for them. If you make it easy for a journalist to write a story about you, and I think that there's a holy triumvirate which you need, which are the text that they can copy and paste and tweak slightly into their own words, photos and then video. Mm -hmm. So when you've got video, photos and copy, then a journalist can blog about it or write an article and you've got a rich tapestry from from which they can draw on. And and this is a good tip, maybe not for journalists, but possibly for journalists, but for people you want to influence, whether it be to get a job or perhaps to work with them. Um, I find out about their personality and then I make something for their personality. Just recently, I found out that there was a guy who I wanted to uh, work with at a speaker agency and he loved hot rods. So I got the hot rod magazine and I photoshopped his face onto the hot rod magazine and I put a headline, (laughs) John loves the new Toyota Camry or whatever it was. And... um, I, I sent him the JPEG of the Hot Rod magazine with his face on and his headline. He loved it. And then I printed that on a T-shirt. So I upped the ante. <laughs> and then he, he sort of was still wavering about working with me. And so what I did was I bought a, a, a Hot Rod from eBay for three and a half quid, or for, I think four quid. And I then, um, on laminated paper, I printed his name out. So then I stuck the laminate on the Hot Rod car. So it looked like his own little Hot Rod car. So he would put that on his desk and he would think about me all the time. Yeah. And these, these, these stunts are are effective but then you've got to back them up with real value can't just send someone uh, balloons and expect them to give you a job you've got to if you send them balloons they might notice and go that's nice Emma but now what can you do for me and then that's when once you've got their attention you then need to prove to them right I can either do the job I can work with you I've got this skill that that's really important don't look too far into people's backgrounds (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't uncover the fetish club. But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's nice if, if the man likes fishing, you, you create him a, a fishing tackle box with his name embroidered on him. That will get his attention. But of course, if you're then going for a job in this, the, the fishing man is, is the head of a tech company, you've then got to show him your tech skills. Mm-hmm. Attention first, then proof. Okay. So where do you think creativity comes from? Do you think, <laughs> do you think it's innate? It's from a magical land. <laughs> <laughs> Far away. Uh, this, this, that's a ter- bad question, naughty girl. Sorry. Um, it, it, it's a latent. It's in all of us. We're humans. We've... So do you think we're all as creative as each other? We can be, is the answer. We're not encouraged to be, is also the answer. Our latent creativity, because we've evolved over millions of years, our human brain solves problems. The main problems it used to solve were finding a mate and finding shelter and finding food. Now, most of us are lucky if we have shelter. Most of us are lucky we have Waitrose or Tesco. (laughs) 
And most of us are lucky we have Tinder <laughs> or whatever you're on. And so those three challenges are quite easily solved. So therefore, we have a lot of time on our hands. And therefore, we can take this brilliant problem-solving brain and laser focus it on things that excite us. And I, I don't believe in putting creativity on a pedestal. I just think it's simply thinking up an idea... And often creativity is conflating two things that haven't been put together in the past. But as we discussed before, sometimes it's just twisting something very simply and making it slightly better. But I think it's just about believing in your thoughts in your head and carrying them through so that you bring something to life. And it's really fulfilling when that happens. Okay. It's so, not. So just listen to the little voice. Yeah, listen to the little voice. Listen to one of the little voices, but don't listen to all the other little voices that tell you you're not good enough or that it won't work because we all have those, unless you're a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> so if you do have them, take great comfort that you're not a psychopath. Great. So, but those voices you need to quell. So those voices you need to say, you almost need to play a game with those voices and say, all right, you might be right that I'm not good enough, but... Uh, let's have a go. Let's have a see. Let's have a see. I'll, t I'll take it a, f a little step further and see if you're right. And often they're not right. But the other voices that say you should do this uh, or wouldn't this be fun if this happened? You must listen to those. OK, so the positive voices. Um, the, the positive the mischievous, the, the mischievous voices, the, the wondering if it can happen. Because once you start ha making it happen, you've got clever people around you as well. You don't have to be working in a vacuum, but sometimes you have to start, or often you have to start it off yourself because other people are wrapped up in their own lives. So you have to start it off yourself and prove in some way, either visually or by doing a dry run if it's a service, that this works and then other people will get excited about it. Okay. Cool. Um, before I wrap up, <laughs> one more question. Go on, then. What is the your favourite thing that you've created? <laughs> um, oh, crikey, it's, it's that. So that's a question Who's I get asked. Who's your favourite child? Yeah, exactly. I tell you what my favourite thing is, the next thing I'm working on. Because unless I'm wildly excited about it, I shouldn't be working on it. So I am working on a range of figurines at the moment, which will have punning names and quirky, a quirky outcome. So I can't wait about those. I'm also working on a, a fiction novel, which is about the genders, and it's, it addresses the patriarchy in society and talks about whether we could smash the patriarchy in society. And so I'm really excited about my novel, and any publishers listening you should absolutely get in touch because this is going to be a movie one day. I'm, I'm all my all my forty six years. I know this is going to be a movie one day. It's going to be hot. So publishers get in touch. Um, I also just made a new business card, um, which is a business scratch card, and so I've got it in my pocket. You I can might hear have me. About this. You can hear me unwrapping it, and here it is. <laughs> so I'm you. handing it over to you now. And so this is a, no one's ever done a business scratch card before. Um, in terms of their business card and it has the silver panel which is actually latex which I learnt when I was doing the oh, printing wow. process and you scratch it off and you win my contact details and you also if you get three symbols of lips you win a kiss okay. there you go I'm L gonna, lucky I'm <laughs> lucky <laughs> gonna scratch thank you oh I've got three lips what a surprise what a surprise but um wait is there a kissing sound effect on there that? is I think there is wait uh, where is it where is it maybe is that it 
<laughs> maybe that's a, maybe that's appropriate as well. I think that's maybe definitely that's appropriate. appropriate. Yeah. Wait, what's this one? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's possibly appropriate. But I think one of the keys to um, <laughs> one of the keys to to to, to actually differentiating yourself in the market is to think about what everyone else is doing and yeah. do something different. So everyone else has got an 85 millimeter by 55 millimeter business card that's probably on white and is bought, it's a bit dull. And actually business cards, even though they're obsolete because they don't go in your phone, people still carry them. And they, they're especially with the male species, they're a status, they, they confer status. So I, all my business cards are different and thoughtful and original and fun, perhaps, in I some way. I love it. I've got your other one as well that used to be, it was like a, a dollar. It's a, it's a banknote, yeah, it's, it's called My Ego, yeah. <laughs> and I sell that online now, and it sells every every week, every week. Really? And it, yeah, and it's got a current exchange rate of one ego equals pound fifty two, which is better than the dollar and the euro. Oh, fantastic. Well, Shed, thank you so much. Please choose the sound effect that best sums up this podcast. Okay, sure. I'd like to say thank you very much to Emma. Thank you to the whole team at City AM. Thanks to Kat, who's the unsung hero. Thank you to you for listening. I've been Shed Samove. <laughs> That's it for this week. Don't forget to follow us on at UnregulatedPod for updates. If you enjoyed this week's show, please take two minutes to like, subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. It helps other people to find the podcast. With thanks to Catchleen, who was producing this week, and Huckletree and White City Place, this has been the Unregulated Podcast. We will see you next Tuesday. 